You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. We're in the series on uh, all month of June called Victory Lane. So if you can get your uh, bulletins out or your handout out and uh, we'll get into the message for this morning. The text we're going to use is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, so you're probably familiar with that. It's a great love chapter, and if you've been at a wedding, they've probably read that passage, but it doesn't just work for weddings, it works also for this morning, and so that's the uh, chapter we're going to be in. So if you have it at your Bible, find it there, or find it on your iPhone, or your iPad, or your Blackberry, or your Raspberry, or your Gooseberry, or Raspberry, whatever you got working for you. we got phones, we got all kinds of apps today that we can get the Bible working for us Somehow, so I hope you find it somewhere as we go into the message for today. So let's take a moment to pray, ask God to open up our hearts to hear what He wants to speak into our lives this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It really is alive, it really is living, and you have given it to us to bring change into our life. And you said, My words are spirit, my words are life. Your word is quick, it's powerful, it's energized, it's sharper than any two edged sword. It divides between soul, marrow, joint, and spirit. It gets right into our hearts. And today, Lord, we, we listen. We did not come to listen for our neighbor. We didn't come to fill out a report card. We came to say, Lord, what are you speaking into my own life? And we want to hear what you have to say so that we'd be equipped, we'd be encouraged, we'd be comforted, we'd be exhorted, that as we leave, we leave stronger having been with you. We pray in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So in the Victory Lane series this morning, we're talking about uh, engine maintenance, and thus we have an engine up here this morning, and so we'll talk a little bit about that. The key verse for the series is 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, so you can go to your notes or your Bible, it's there, and uh, we need to read that out loud together this morning. So if you can find 1 John 5, verse 4 on your handout, uh, let's take time to read this verse together. All right, you ready? Here we go. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So it's our faith that helps us to overcome the world. God has designed us to be overcomers. He designed us to be more than conquerors. He designed us to be victorious. God wants His church to be an overcoming church. He, he's not coming back for a, a lethargic, apathetic church that an atrophy set in because it wasn't using the faith, it wasn't living in victory. We've been designed to live in victory. We've been designed to actually have power flow through us. In Acts, it says, chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witness. So we are designed to have power flow through us. That's what we're meant for. That's what our Creator designed us for. And we need to figure out how this power works and flows through our lives. This message this morning is not academic. If you're here today and you're waiting for some deep revelation and something very out there and academic, you're going to be disappointed because it's not academic. It's very simple. But sometimes the simple things can also be complex, can be, can be missed because they're so simple. But today's message, a child could catch. And today's message, we could spend a lifetime learning. We're going to talk about three simple things mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, faith, hope, and love. These three, Paul says, will always endure. Faith, hope, and love. So how do we have them working in our life? What do they have to do with power? What does that have to do with living in the victory lane? Well, if you want to live in victory, you're going to have to learn how to harness and release 
God's power in our life. So that's what we'll look at this morning. In order to do that, we brought up a generator, and uh, we fired this bad boy up last night, and it wasn't so bad. I was bad because I couldn't find the choke, and um, there is a choke here, and uh, so we got it started up, which was good, but we didn't switch off the choke. And so, Landry, we have our own uh, type of smoke effects last night. We, no black, no uh, uh, ice, no dry ice. No dry ice, but we had blue smoke happening here. And it was, you could just see it just kind of shining through the lights. It was a pretty neat effect. And it was a really stinky message. And uh, this morning, we're going to do it a little bit different. So, just so you help remember it, we're going to fire this thing up. And this thing works because there's, a, there's some fuel in the tank. We got a spark plug, and we're going to it's old school, so we've got to pull it to start it, not electrical. We do have to turn it on, and uh, just so you help remember the message, uh, it's, got, it's a generator, and so it generates power. If you plug stuff in here, it, uh, it'll, it'll power up a tool, and uh, you're a generator. You were designed to be a generator. You're designed to generate power similar to this. Every example has its limitations, but work with me this morning. It's designed to generate power. You're designed to generate power. So... I think we got the fuel turned on, and we'll, uh, we'll give it a pull. All right, first stroke, that's pretty good. It's a Honda, you know, it works good, yeah. And so right now it's, it's, it's working, it's firing, spark plugs going, gas is being fed in, and if we plug something in here, we would have, uh, it would work. Power's being generated. You've got to plug it in for it to be released, but it's all working, so that's good. We'll turn it off so we don't, we don't stink you out, but uh, there you go, power in action. And uh, what we want to do is get our power in action today in our lives. So hold on to that illustration, and let's go to your notes this morning, and we'll explain how this fits into the message. Number one, hope is the spark plug that ignites our passion. This thing only works because there's a spark plug in it. And uh, if it didn't have a spark plug, you know you could have all the fuel, you could have all the generator, all the motor down here, but if you didn't have a spark plug, how many of you know it's not going to fire up? It has to have the spark plug. Well, in our life, we have to have a spark plug in order for power to be produced. And the spark plug in our life is the hope or the vision that we have. Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people perish. I know some of you are, we, we now have the smoke happening and the fumes. But we do that on purpose so that you can taste and experience the message. Now you can say, you know, I tasted and I experienced the goodness of the Lord at church this morning. You can go and you can tweet. You know, I went to church this morning and the pastor preached a really stinky message and you would be okay. You could, you could say that. Anyhow, the spark plug, that, that's the big deal. Your hope is a big deal because if you don't have a spark, how, how often is a spark plug working? Does it just work when I give it the first pull and then that's it and it runs on its own? No spark plugs going. Every time the piston goes up and down, if it's going at 2,000 RPM, that's 2,000 times a minute the spark plug's going beep, 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 beep. Your, your vision has to be like that every day. You have to have spark, 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 spark. There'll be days where it's like, God, you put this in my heart to do. I have a vision for marriage. I've got a vision for business. I've got a vision for this. And there are days where it feels like water on granite, where nothing is happening, but that spark every day. If you lose your spark, you lose your power. So hope is incredibly important. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If there's no hope, no spark, no matter how much fuel you have in the tank, 
It's not going to produce power. So incredibly important is that little piece, the spark plug. Hope is incredibly important for faith, for power to be released in our lives. We, we learned, Shell mentioned that I grew up on a farm. On the farm, we learned about spark plugs. We learned about spark plugs when it came to our motorbikes, and we learned how to pull out the spark plug. If, if the motor didn't run, my father would say to us, number one, does it have spark? Number two, is there fuel in the tank? Is it getting fuel? If we check those two things, chances are it should run. Sometimes we'd actually take out the spark plug, and we'd put it on the side, touch metal with it, and we'd pull the cord, and if we saw a spark going, well, then we knew we had the spark. Sometimes the plugs, though, got fouled up, got full of junk. Here's a picture of a fouled spark plug that I'll show you. Because this is what can happen in our lives. Our life can get full of debris and junk. And this is fouled up with deposits of some kind. And what you have to do then is you have to take that spark plug out. Sometimes you have to replace the spark plug. Or sometimes you just take a wire brush and you clean up that spark plug or you sandblast it and then you have to regap the spark plug. It has to have the right gap and then you put it back into the motor. I made mistakes. I sometimes put the wrong spark plug in. If it was too hot, the piston would burn or if it wasn't the right gap, it wouldn't right, run right. So this was an important piece for the motor to run right. Last night, after the service, we prayed for a lot of people. And you know one of the things that we found ourselves praying for was that People needed to have a reignition in their life. Their hope, their vision had waned. And it was like they needed the Holy Spirit to come along and pull out their spark plug and, and just take a wire brush and clean off all the debris and junk and uh, put it back in their motor, so to speak. And there was fresh spark, fresh life, fresh vision for them to move forward. So that little spark plug is an important part for power to be released. Sometimes you need a fresh vision. Sometimes it needs to be cleaned up. Sometimes it needs to be regapped. But that spark plug is an important part for power to be produced. Secondly, it has to have the right fuel mixture. Love is a fuel mixture that we need to have. A spark without fuel doesn't produce any power. And we have to choose the fuel we put in the tank carefully. This particular little generator runs on gasoline if we open it up you'll find that it's, it's filled up with gasoline. If you put diesel in here, it's not going to run very good. If we put propane, well, you couldn't even put propane into it. If you put water in it, it wouldn't run very good. You have to put the right fuel into this motor for it to run, correct, right? It's designed by Honda to run on gasoline. Well, who designed us? God designed us. What did he design us to run on? He designed us to run on love. That's what we're designed to run on. If you go to the gas station, you pull up, there's different kinds of hoses, and you have to choose the hose for your vehicle. If you've got a diesel vehicle, put in diesel. If you've got a gasoline vehicle, you put in gasoline. I told you, this message is not very deep. If you're looking for something profound, this is, I'm sorry, this is not a profound message. But you know what we found, at least for Cheryl and I, we found that we learned faith, not from the academics. I learned faith from Brother Littlefield. Very simple. Didn't have PhDs, didn't have a bunch of degrees, but he had an amazing mountain-moving faith. I learned faith from people that were just, doesn't, you can be an academic and have great faith, but faith is so simple that you don't have to be academic. Anybody can get it. A child can have mountain-moving faith. Anybody can have faith. Jesus said, have faith as a child. And sometimes we miss 
this power of faith because we try to intellectualize it. This is a hard thing. You catch it in your heart. Today, you can process everything with your head or you can process it with your heart. The Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence. In the Amplified Bible, which I put that note in your, that scripture note, it says with vigilance, guard your heart for out of it come the issues of life, spring the power of life. God designed you for power. You are designed to release power. This thing's designed to release power. You are designed to generate Holy Spirit power to change a broken world. Can I get a good amen? That's what we're designed for. So our tank is designed for, to run off of God's kind of love. It says in Romans 5, verse 5, I don't have that note in your verse, or that uh, verse in your hand, though, but if you like, write it down, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, and there it talks about how God's love has been poured into our hearts. So let me read that verse for you. Romans 5, verse 5, it says that, Now hope does not disappoint. The spark plug does not disappoint. If you've got a good spark, if you've got a good vision, you will not be disappointed. Another translation says you will not be ashamed. You've got that. You you won't be ashamed. Somebody say, you know, I got a vision. I got a dream. I'm a little bit nervous about stepping out on it. Paul said, don't be ashamed. You will not be disappointed. Why? Because it goes on to say here, because the love of God has been poured out into your hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Again, what's hope? The spark. You got a dream, you got a vision, you go, I don't know, God, that's, that's above me. I've dreamed to be married and I'm now such and such an age. I don't know if it's going to happen. Our dream to build this company, our dream to help people, our dream to do this, and I don't know. I might be disappointed if I stepped out and... Here, Paul said, no, wait a minute. You mix that dream, that spark, with this fuel of love, and you will not be disappointed. The two go hand in hand, hope and love, and then it produces power, faith. Love is that mixture. Now, we've got to be careful what goes into our motor. Amen. We gotta, this thing's got a filter. Right down here, there's an air filter. And somewhere here, there's also a fuel filter. I don't know where it is. It's underneath there by the carburetor. There's this little fuel filter. And when you do maintenance on your car, one of the things you check is your air filter, correct? You ever go get your oil changed? Where they say, you know what? They, they pull it out and they say, you know, Mr. Coop, would you like us to change your air filter? It's dirty. Or would you like us to change the fuel filter? It's regular maintenance. Why? Because you don't want the crap to get inside your motor. Because if it gets inside your motor, guess what? The motor doesn't perform. Power doesn't come. And it ends up breaking down. So it's very important that you have that maintenance. You protect that stuff from getting into the engine. And just as this motor is designed to protect it, your computer filters out viruses, right? You, you set up those filters so it doesn't corrupt your computer. And God's saying to filter out the stuff. Don't let, it, don't let that get into your gas tank because it will limit the power that flows from your life. Here's a picture of a dirty air filter. We have to do maintenance on our cars. And so here's a guy, he's got a vacuum cleaner, and he's vacuuming out the dirt from his, from his air filter. You can vacuum him out for at least for a couple times, or you can knock it on the pavement to knock the dirt off of it and put it back in. It's good for a few more miles. Sometimes you have to replace the filter. We live in a world that's broken, that's corrupt, that's polluted. 
Every day we're bombarded with images and messages, and we have to filter, 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 so that stuff doesn't get into the mixture that burns in our heart. What should we filter out? Here's a few things we should filter out. Number one, envy. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, going back in this chapter where it's talking about faith, hope, and love. By the way, it never fails. Love never fails. This is a powerful, powerful chapter. Love never fails. But we have to filter some stuff out because love is not envy. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Envy is worse than hatred. Hatred is right there out on the surface. You can see it full of hatred. Envy is kind of underneath the surface. And envy is, envy is, oh, I wish they, would, I wish they weren't doing that well. It's worse than jealousy, Proverbs says. Envy will spoil what goes into this gas tank. It will decrease power, maybe cause the motor to seize. And that faith, that power is not generated if Envy enters our tank. Daily, we have to filter envy out. There's a great story about a guy by the name of Millard Fuller. Millard Fuller passed away in 2009. When he was 29 years old, he was a millionaire. But his marriage was breaking down. His life was falling apart, but he had money. And then he decided to get back to his Christian roots. He recommitted his life to Christ and he said, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Obviously, making money is not enough. There's something more that I must do with my life. And he went back and he prayed. He sought God. And God gave him a dream for building homes for people that didn't have homes. And he started something called uh, Habitat for Humanity. Has anybody heard about Habitat for Humanity? Oh, well, we've almost all heard of that. Here's a picture of Millard Fuller and his wife, Linda. And this is on one of their construction sites. And he... He had this dream. He had this spark plug. His hope was this, that we could take, get people to support us, and we could around the world, we have them here in Vancouver, they're all over the world, building houses for people that don't have enough to build their own house. That was his dream. That was the hope. And he began to realign his life, began to filter out a bunch of stuff, let love drop in the gas tank, and the result was an incredibly powerful effect upon the world. This was born as a result of that dream. It's a classic example of somebody generating power. He was interviewed by a radio station. They were asking him to explain uh, about his life and so forth. And he said, I want to be a loving person. I want my life to be characterized as a person who spreads love abroad. I do it imperfectly, of course, but that's my heart's desire. Not only did Fuller realize his dream, his hope, but today, thousands of people around the world participate in this twofold dream, building affordable housing for those in need and providing a tangible outlet for our need to give. He went on to win all kinds of awards. He won an award by Pres from President Clinton called the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He's got a list of awards if you went to his website, the th things that he accomplished as a result of this dream. What happened? Had to get the spark right, had to get the hope right, poured love into the gas tank, power was released, things changed. One time he went to Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. He was speaking to 200 pastors. And the pastors were struggling with why they didn't have enough to do what God asked them to do. 
And they came up with the thought that selfishness and greed were the primary reasons why there wasn't enough funds to do what they had to do. And so he asked them what was a seemingly innocent question. He asked them, is it possible for a person to build a house so large that it is sinful in the eyes of God? Raise your hand if you think so. And you know what? All 200 pastors raised their hands. They all raised their hands. And then he said, okay, then can you tell me exactly what size, the precise square footage, does a house become sinful to occupy? The pastors were all silent. Nobody said anything. And finally, this little voice from the back of the room spoke up and said, when it's bigger than mine. What was he doing? He was applying a filter to their life. Envy. Ah, I, as long as I could have it, it's okay. But if it's bigger than mine, then I'm envying what they have. He was trying to get at the motivation. What goes into our tank? Filter it out. In their book, on boundaries, cloud, and talents that talk about the law of envy and describe envy as probably the basis of emotion that we have. Envy defines good as what I do not possess and hates the good that it has. We need to rejoice with others who rejoice, according to Romans 12, 15, and mourn with those who mourn. Okay, what else can we filter out? Selfishness, envy, selfishness. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Filter that out. We live in a world where, man, we want to have the latest and the greatest, right? You know, if your car's got 300 horsepower, well, you need one with 320 horsepower. 300 is not quite enough. If you have an iPad 1, it's not good enough. You need an iPad 2. If you have a phone with 3G, that's not good enough. You need an iPad or an iPhone with 4G. Or if you have this, we need a little bit more. So we live in a world that's constantly bombarding us with a message that what you have is not enough. You need more. You, you need to supply. You need to seek this for your own good. You, you, there's this message of we live in an upside-down world in this kingdom because it says your love seeks not its own. Jesus was a classic example of someone who was not selfish. Didn't he at the cross look down at those who were gambling at his, for his clothes and say, Lord, I... Forgive them. They don't know what to do. He looked at the Roman soldiers. And even though he was in incredible pain hanging between two thieves, he was still not thinking about himself. At the Lord's Supper, when he introduces communion, he knows the next day he's going to be crucified. He's washed the disciples' feet. And he takes the bread and breaks it and says, hey, I'm going to leave this for you to remember. And he serves them bread. He serves them the cup. He serves them. Now think of it, if, you're, if it was your night, the next day you're going to be executed. They're going to put you in the electric chair. They're going to hang you the next day. You're going to go before a firing squad the next day. And you've got your friends around you. Wouldn't you be tempted to say, you know what, guys, I'd really like this for my last meal. Could you pray for me? Could you give me a, man, I'm really tensed up. Could you give me a little massage here? You know, you'd be thinking so much about you. But our Lord, that night, even then he's not thinking about himself. On the cross, he thinks about his mom. He says, John, can you take care of my mom? This is our Lord, even in the pain of his final hours. He's not thinking about himself. This is what fuels the power in our life. Hope, the spark plug, the vision, the dream, every day. Don't get tired of it. Every day you have to have it. Every day. That's why we write down our goals. 
That's why we write down our dreams. Write it down every day. Review them. Review them. You can read the stats on it. People that write down their goals, write down their dreams, are far more likely to see themselves empowered and confident to do what God's called them to do. Yeah. Okay, we want to filter out selfishness. We're going to filter out envy. Uh, have you ever noticed that the more selfish we become, the less happy and peaceful we are? The more selfish we are, actually the less peaceful and happy we are. Scorekeeping. We've got to filter out scorekeeping. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Our world is obsessed with scorekeeping, stats, award points, stock performance, account balances, etc. We're keeping lots of score on everything. We keep scores on all this stuff. And yet this verse here tells us it keeps no account of when a wrong is against us. Because we live in a world that keeps track of everything, we tend to keep track when somebody's harmed us. If we live in a, in a marital situation, we think, okay, well, she did this wrong, she did this wrong, she didn't do this, she didn't do that. When she gets those squared away, well, then we just might go out for lunch or we might, might take her on a date. I'll buy her roses when. Or I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make him his favorite supper when I see the garbage taken out. But it's been three months, and he hasn't done it once, so it's going to be a long time before he gets lasagna again, whatever his favorite supper is. Because I'm keeping track. I got it all written down. I, I'm keeping track of it all. No, love is not if. Love is not when. Love is I, I love you, period. This is the agape kind of love. This is a God kind of love that he has for us. Aren't you really glad that God doesn't have a list of all your wrongs? That when you go to him, he says, oh, David, it's you. What are you doing here? Look at your list. Man, you got that wrong. You did that wrong. You did that wrong. Flip it over. Another page. Let's just go to page 65. Another wrong. Another wrong. Go back and get it right. And then come back talk to me. Aren't you glad God's not like that? It says that he has washed away all of our sins. He's cleansed us from all unrighteousness. God is Love. How does how is power generated in our life if we walk in this kind of love? Love keeps no account of a suffered wrong. So we, we filter out that kind of thinking. We also have to filter out fear. Fear will really cause your faith to seize up. There's a time when Jairus had come to Jesus for prayer. His little daughter was dying. So he finds Jesus by the seashore of Galilee, and he comes up to Jesus, and he gets down on his knees and says, Jesus, please, please, come pray for my daughter. She's dying. And Jairus and Jesus head over to pray for his daughter. On the way, they, they run into another lady. This lady is sick, and she presses through the crowd, and she touches Jesus' coat. And Jesus turns and says, hey, who touched me? And the disciple said, um, Lord, there's all kinds of people bumping into you. I'm not sure who touched you. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me. And they're like, well, I don't know. What do you mean? He said, power left me. Somebody plugged into this thing. And I felt power go from me. Who was that? And this lady says, uh, that was me. I had an incurable disease. And I am feeling a whole lot better. And the disciples go, wow, it's a whole story. Meanwhile, Jairus, remember Jairus? He's, he's got a daughter dying, and, he, and he's kind of like, okay, this is great, but my daughter's dying. Let's get going. And so they, they proceed down the road again, and then somebody runs towards them and says, Jairus, don't bug Jesus anymore because your 
your daughter died. And his face must have shown that faith had left. And Jesus turns to him and, and says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Don't let fear come in. Filter it out. Just keep believing. Our generator doesn't run on fear. We have to filter those thoughts out, keep God's unfailing love in the gas tank. I'm facing an impossible situation. Fear is trying to keep in, but I meditate on the fact that God loves me. God is with me. He never leaves me or forsakes me. His word is true. I can count on the fact my father loves me. I told you it's very simple this morning. Do you remember what you sang in Sunday school? Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. That's what we think on. That's what feeds our engine. If you let fear feed your engine, that engine comes to a grinding halt and no power is released. Over and over again, God said to Joshua, don't be afraid. In the Old Testament, the New Testament, don't be afraid. Just believe. Believe in what? That's the question that begs to be asked. Believe in what? Believe in my love. Believe that I love you. Believe that I care for you. Believe that I'll be there for you. God is love. Look at 1 John chapter 5 or 4 verses 16 to 18. It's in your notes. And we have known and believed. We've known and believed what? The love that God has for who? For us. Church, listen to me for a sec. If you get this in your head, no power. This has to be caught in your heart. If it's just, if you're just kind of zoning in intellectually, no power produced. This is guard your heart. Your heart produces power. Your heart produces life. Something is generated. Faith generates the power. Faith is the power. You are designed to release power. And the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you shall be my witness. He'll come upon you with power. I've given you authority and power, and power, and power, and power. Where does the power, where is it generated? Out of my heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. Out of there flow the issues of life. Out of there flows the power. Those who believe on me, as the scripture said, Jesus said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. This heart produces power. Let me ask you a question. How long does it take to dam a river? How many billions of dollars? How many truckloads of dirt? How many... Yards of concrete, how much rebar, how many years of engineering to dam a river? Takes lots of money and lots of time, correct? But Joshua stands at the Jordan River, flooded, and with faith, crosses no dam on dry ground. Really happened. How? Power, faith. Moses stands in front of the Red Sea, approaching army, reaches out. With faith, trust God, trust the God who is love, stretches out, and the Red Sea opens. They walk across, not in mud, but on dry ground. Two million people. What's that? The power of faith. 
Faith is stronger than the atomic bomb. It's the greatest power on the earth. And we generate it. Didn't Joshua command the sun to stand still? It happened. Twice it's recorded in history that the sun stood still. I studied in geology when I was studying that the earth once has flipped on its axis this way. Science will bear it out that this has happened historically. Science says that that's happened. It's amazing. Joseph goes to prison for 10 years. How does he survive in prison and rise to the rank of the leader in the prison? He's generating power. How does Peter say to a man who's crippled and he's going to pray for him, he says, I don't have gold and silver, but such as I have, I release or I give. And he takes it up and he raises him up and power flows from him to a man who's crippled. Power is being released. Is Jesus coming back for a church that's self-satisfied and kind of asleep? Or is he coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, walking in the victory that he designed us to walk in? Does our city need? Is the answer for our city more police? Is our answer for our city more clubs, more guns, more... Is, what, what is the answer for our city? What would the church's role maybe be in that? Hope. Love and faith. How would we release power? Have a dream? Fuel our tanks with love and release God's power. How does faith come? Hearing God's word, meditating on that. This will endure. Everything else will pass away, but this will endure. Wow. I want to live in victory lane. I want to walk in victory. How would I walk in victory? Keep your spark plug clean. Have hope and vision. Keep tanking up. Keep your tank filled with God's love and walk in faith. Trust God and release his power to a broken world. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.